The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Bet on your favorite games like CSGO, Dota 2, and League of Legends and earn Unicorns through successful bets or use Unicorn's exclusive Connect program where you can earn Unicorns just by playing some of your favorite games. Use your earnings to enter Unicorn's raffles for exciting prizes like Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins. So join Chase and Walter and prove who really is the esports gambling expert. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Internet. This is Walter Ciades Fedchuk, co-host of the Rough Drafts podcast, and we are on day 10, the final episode of our 2017 European Spring Split team by team preview. Day 10 means that we've covered the nine other teams in the European LCS, and if you haven't seen those episodes yet, just hit pause, go back, there's nine of them, won't take you too long. Go watch those because if you hadn't watched any of those, you won't be ready for the test at the end of this one. <laughs> and the person who wrote that test, my good friend, Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. Chase, what do they have to get to pass this hypothetical test at the end of the episode? Uh, well, first of all, there's the uh, oath to forgiven that all listeners to our podcast have to have memorized Absolutely. by now. Uh, Absolutely. That's that's sacred text uh, for people that have been. Following if you don't us know that, you automatically fail. Yeah, you're already out. Sorry about that. Didn't mean to uh, to catch you off guard in this way. But you know, I, I think it would also require an understanding of the nine teams we've gone through. You guys saw my victory dance at the opening. We made it, fam. We got here, and it would also require you to know the roster we're talking about today. We. We did not save the best for last, but I don't think we saved the worst for last either. I think this will be an interesting team to discuss. No, we've already talked about Rocket. Oh. Oh, okay. low blow. Okay. Low blow. I but see. you know what? That probably that probably brought a little pep to your step. That, that made you a little bit angry. Probably upped your vitality. Because <laughs> that's the team we're talking about today. Team Vitality. The seventh place finishers in the summer regular season in Europe. They went three, nine, and six. That seems middle of the road, pretty mediocre record. Um, and based off of that, they made some changes. Made some changes to this roster. Uh, they still have their top laner, Cabochard. He's been around for a little while now. Uh, they kept their mid laner, Nuke Duck, another guy, been around for a little while now since the advent of this roster. They changed their jungler. Shook is no longer the starting jungler. He has been replaced uh, for the moment by Joko, the former Millennium jungler, and he also had some stints for uh, the Unicorns of Love and a couple of other LCS teams across the board. Um, they're replacing their AD carry police with Steelback, formerly of Team Rocket. Uh, they replaced their support Kossing. He is no longer on the roster, much to my chagrin, and he has been replaced by Hashani the former support of KT Rolster. Uh, and then in what is probably the most surprising change for me uh, for this team, their longtime head coach, Sean's, he stepped down as the head coach. He's still uh, a member of the organization in another fashion. He has been replaced by Korean coach Irene. 
Uh, and Mighty Bear is still here as a substitute, but kind of the bigger name that was brought in, uh, and he'll projected be the long-term juggler for this team. GBM has been uh, as role swapped from the mid lane into the jungle, and he's coming over from Energy Esports and their failure to stay in the North American LCS. So Chase, quite a few changes to happen to this roster—a roster that was only a split removed from being, uh, you know, a playoff team, and then you know dropping into the seventh seed in the summer. What do you, what are your first thoughts when you look at all these changes? Well, my first thoughts are that Vitality went into the offseason, determined their needs, addressed those needs, and made the changes that needed to be made. Look, when you're starting two different junglers in an LCS split, you're starting two different AD carries in an LCS split, those are clearly positions where you don't feel particularly comfortable with the options that you have. Mighty Bear was not cutting it for this team. Shook was aggressively okay which is what Shook has been throughout his entire career. He is, which is fine. You can settle for that, but he's not a guy that has the same level of upside as a player like Joko does. And Steelback is the one thing that kept my hope and humanity alive last year as I would watch Rocket games because the guy was an incredible AD carry. One of the top three players at his position, despite having no help around him whatsoever, it was incredibly fun to watch him play. And I think Vitality fans are going to, you know, discover he's one of their favorite players very quickly. Uh, the support change makes a little bit less sense to me. Uh, I understand that, you know, when in doubt, get a Korean. Uh, I didn't think causing was the problem with this team, but he also didn't particularly look like a solution and no one else picked him up when he was available. So maybe the European teams know more than we do. Uh, once they got a Korean player, I was not particularly surprised a Korean coach came in. The real question is GBM. That is the question mark that I think is on everybody's mind. We have no idea how they're going to use him. Uh, Joko seems like a more pure jungler. It seems like the kind of guy you pick up because you're not convinced that the experiment's going as well as you'd like. But they do have him sitting there, and it doesn't make a lot of sense to pay him whatever they're paying him and have him just sit on the bench. He's been converted to a jungler for a reason, and how they use him and whether we have another split of them going back and forth between junglers and maybe failing to develop some synergy, mm -hmm. uh, it's going to depend on how this coach runs things. And it's going to be very interesting to see what choices they ultimately aim for as they move forward. I, I would agree this does kind of reek of maybe some jungle bouncing or if Joko comes out and, and just lights the world on fire, there's a possibility that they just stay with Joko and that GBM never actually touches the rift. Uh, Irene is the former head coach of the Saigon Jokers, uh, so he does have some coaching experience. He's also the AD carry for Zenic Storm, one of my favorite icons to have in the League of Legends client. I always like to pop that up every once in a while, yes. along with my Vita uh, my uh, Velocity logo. That always <laughs> always makes people super happy. It excites me a little bit. And Chase, as always, there's got to be something that does excite you with the current roster we're talking about, Team Vitality, not Zenix Storm or Velocity. So what is it that does excite you about this roster? Well, first of all, Korean experts are very mad at you that you just compared Zenix Storm and Velocity given the uh, reputation that kind of left those two teams yeah. very different franchises, I think, at the end of the day. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to be surprised by what part I'm excited about. I get to watch Steelback play again. I love, I'm love. i going to love this team, if only for that. The guy managed a 4.51 KDA while playing on a 10-26 team in their overall game-by-game -game record. That is bonkers. 
That is insane. Remember that when you lose, you're naturally more likely to die because your base is the one getting taken over. And if you look at all the other numbers on Rockat, no one came close to the effectiveness that he had. No one came close to the kill participation that he had for that team. No one came close to the gold efficiency he had for that team. The mm -hmm. guy was a madman on a mission, and now you're putting him in a system where he doesn't have to carry every game. We know that he can. We saw him do it 10 times last season. Trust me, it wasn't the rest of that Rocket team that was piecing together wins. And now you give him a team that he can actually team fight around and has guys like Joko who can actually initiate plays for him in the bot lane. And you get Hachani, which, you know, say what you will about his uh, proclivity to taking some skill shots to the face. That is something that he is going to have to work on. But the guy is checking bushes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, these are concerns and it's something that, you know, you're, they're going to have to watch very closely as they move forward. But he is a guy who has played in the KT Rolster system for a while now. He knows how to lane with 80 carries that like to team fight. You know, he understands, you know, he's going to have to learn how to maybe take a safer approach to the lane to make sure that Steelback gets to his peaks. But that's the kind of change that you would expect them to make as the season goes on and they develop some synergy. So assuming that, you know, Hachani can play like the guy that we saw when he had those brilliant Tarek games in the LCK or when he played as Karma, that also worked particularly well. Trundle was a great fit for him. He has mm -hmm. a lot of champions right now, enough champions that you feel like he could adapt to whatever pool gets thrown his way. So it's really just about making slight adjustments to how he plays out the laning phase. And I think that can be done. Uh, and I certainly think that Steelback has enough mechanical skill and just understanding of the game to make that happen. So certainly this is a team that before was not able to rely on the bot lane consistently and is now going to have a very powerful force with which they can take some team fights that they probably missed out on last split. This bot lane definitely has the potential to stand up to Sven and Mithy, I mm -hmm. think, in terms of, you know, among the best in Europe. And, there, and there's very, very few... Uh, in Europe that I think can stand up to Sven and Mithy. Um, and those are the guys. G2 is is the team to beat. They're the big dogs. They've won both splits in a row. So you look at everything that everyone else is doing has to be, how do we beat G2? And I think this is a great step in that the right direction uh, for Vitality as a whole. Steelback, you know, you, you brought up all the numbers, arguably second, third best AD carry in Europe last split. Hashani brings a wealth of shot calling and, uh, and team fighting prowess from that KT rolster. He is susceptible early on to get caught out while he's roaming, which I think the synergy between him and the jungle is going to be a, a really, really big concern. And if I'm looking at my show notes correctly here, Chase, I believe uh, the jungle... What is going on in the jungle? That is what makes you nervous. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, you and I are going to agree on the biggest potential flaw with this team, and it's that... I have no idea what they're doing in the jungle. I'm not sure they know what they're doing in the jungle yet. I think that when you bring on a guy like GBM and try to roll swap him, you're doing it on the chance that it works out. We obviously, Ambition is now seen as the example of like, oh yeah, you could totally take a mid laner and turn him into a jungler. To which I say, sure. you clearly didn't root for CJ Antis during all the times he was their jungler. Because that 
is the side of the growing pains that you can expect from such a huge role swap. Because let's face it, the jungler is not just the guy who kills minions in the jungle. He's the guy who has to understand what every solo laner is trying to do, understands what their role is within the composition, and is ganking for the right lanes for what their composition is trying to do. They have to be able to understand the enemy composition and how they're going to be trying to push their win condition forward. So you've got to be able to react to those sort of moves, whether that's through counter jungling or being able to uh, be there when a gank or a roam that you expect the enemy team to make is coming around. Mm -hmm. You've got to have a great control of vision, uh, being able to ward the right places at the right time in order to secure the buffs you need, whether it be dragon or even just taking things like red buff and blue buff, which is continually important if you want to keep your solo laners ahead. There's a lot going on in the jungle, and they're very different kinds of tasks to the task of, I need to beat the person who's in lane, I have a very particular role in team fights that, you know, mid laners have. And it's not that that adjustment can't be made, it certainly can, especially if you're more of a roaming mid laner, but I don't know if GBM is the suitable candidate for that job. It seems like he's a guy that isn't particularly well-built to make the transition. He's never struck me as someone who is a particular mastermind of the game. I haven't seen anything in his laning phase that would make me say, oh yeah, this is a guy who, you know, is able to make effective roams and really take advantage of little mistakes the enemy made. Most of his best champions didn't play that way. And uh, he played a lot of different things last split, but he didn't play consistently on anything other than Victor. So, I don't know. I, it seems to me like this is a guy who is a jack of all trades, but a master of none that they're trying to fit in this role that they still seem to be bouncing around with. You don't need three junglers on an LCS roster. There is never a need for three junglers on an LCS roster because regardless of whether GBM works out or not, maybe you disagree with me on that. I think everyone can agree that you need to have synergy between your junglers and your solo laners. And every game that you're practicing with the guy who is not your starting jungler is a, is a rep that that jungler does not get with the rest of his teammates. Every game that you start in the LCS that starts one of these other guys is a game that you're not giving experience to whatever other jungler you're trying to push forward. So, Irian, Irene, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but however you pronounce it, he is a coach is going to look at this and say, what is the plan moving forward with the jungle and stick to that plan until you have enough evidence to say, we have to abandon ship here. Because if you're going to alternate back and forth, you're just going to create the same mishaps that plagued your last split. Because it wasn't even that Shook or Mighty Bear were particularly bad mechanically that sunk the team. It was the fact that neither of them had any synergy with Nuke Duck or Cabochard. They need to establish that synergy. That comes from having a plan, getting the reps in, getting the most use out of your practice time. And I don't like seeing three guys on the roster in the same position, in a position that they have struggled to find consistency in already. In every way that Unicorns of Love has had all these plug-and-play jet junglers have been successful vitality has been the opposite and i think especially with this team where the addition of steelback now sort of changes this this narrative and probably changes some of the way the team operates but up until this point it has been about nuke duck and cabo shard and that has been where the majority of the jungle gravity to steal that phrase so poignantly put by the lol esports uh 
casting teams uh, is that that's where Shook mostly is. He's in the solo lanes. He's in the mid. He's in the jungle. That was where he was really comfortable with. When you look and you see Mighty Bear, when he was playing with the team, he tried to help those lanes out, but he wasn't effective with it, which is truly why I think that Joko, if he is the primary starter at the beginning of the split, is going to stay the starter for the majority of the split. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to try with GBM. I don't think it's going to be very efficient. But at the same time, I feel like GBM and Ashani, because they're both Korean, I, I don't want to be that guy, but they're both Korean, they'll probably have more synergy. So you're creating this system now where one juggler is going to be you know, probably more in sync with the bot lane, where the other juggler is going to be probably more in sync with the mid and the, soul, and the top laner. So does that create an imbalance? Does that do this thing like where you're taking away reps from the other guys so they don't get a chance to build the synergy with that other pairing? It's a possibility. It could also give them a unique flexibility in case the meta does shift one way. If the meta shifts towards Fiora and Camille and carry top laners, then maybe Joko gives them an advantage with the fact that he probably will be much more, uh, have more cohesion with the top lane and the mid lane. If it goes to a super bot lane dominated thing and it really relies on ward control and roaming from your support, then maybe that is where GBM would sort of shine. Um, I think the GBM acquisition was Vitality's primary purpose. I think they truly wanted GBM as their jungler and Hishani to be that kind of you know double Korean pair. But the addition of Joko then tells me that while the Koreans were possibly still in Korea, they were scrimming and they found some sort of connection between Joko and these two solo laners. Uh, I think we see Joko for the majority of the split, especially if the team is successful early on. And this kind of goes into what you think will determine their, their season as a whole. Which identity do they go with? What, you know, how long does it take them to really establish this identity? So, I, I, you know, this is, this is actually your, your thoughts. So what do, you, you know, what do you see when you look at these sort of schizophrenic identities? Well, I, I think you nailed it on the head, which is, you know, what do they want to prioritize? If you're going to go with GBM, you're doing it because your primary focus is on warding and you want your support and your jungle to be on the same page. And that's fine if you want to play a very aggressive style. That's not how Nukeduck tends to lane. He tends to play much more passively, let people come to him. Same with Kabashard. Kabashard is not a guy that's, you know, necessarily trying to get in your face and win lane right away. It's the teleport plays after the 10-15 minute mark. It's being able to be involved in a huge portion of his team's kills is when they were able to be the most successful. And when they went away from that is when he started to struggle a little bit. So I think that there's certainly some of that that they have to keep in mind. Uh, it doesn't. I, I don't think that's necessarily the right way to go unless they really mm -hmm. want to change the way that Cabochard and Nuduck think about the laning phase. But if you're going to change that, then, you know, that, so if you're not going to change that, I guess the answer would then would be Joko because Joko would be the kind of person that could gank and come in. But then what do you do with Steelback and Hachani, right? Because this is potentially, as you said, the only kind of bot lane that has a chance against Sven and Mithy to be the best bot lane in Europe. So do you just ignore that bot lane? Because Joko doesn't necessarily have a huge history of ganking for the bot lane. He mm -hmm. tends to be more solo lane oriented because those are the teams that he's played on. That's how Millennium played. Uh, can he adjust? Certainly. Uh, is that necessarily going to be the best use of your Joko? You know, is, is he going to be... This team fight, you know, perfect initiator and jungler, and then you just kind of hope that Hachani doesn't get 
caught out or make the mistake that allows it to be a 4v5, which would <laughs> basically sink that strategy before it starts. That's not necessarily, you know, it, it, there's just so many things that you look at with this team and it kind of reminds me of where Golden State is right now. And it's not the same <laughs> level of team, but it's the same question. It's the same question that the Miami Heat have when they got in. Who is the star that this team is building around? Who is the primary carry? Who is the number one option that they're going to be pushing forward? And don't tell me it depends on the meta. Of course it depends on the meta. I'm not implying that it doesn't depend on the meta, but even within the meta, teams have identities. TSM is always going to play through Bjergsen, even in a meta where utility mid laners are all the rage, because Bjergsen is Bjergsen, and that's the guy you want to play around. So who is the guy Vitality is playing around? Is it Cabochard? Is it Nuke Duck? Is it Steelback? Because whichever one of the answers it is, that's going to depend on how they try to focus the rest of this roster. And as you look at the groups they're playing against, right? They're going to be playing against H2K Gaming, Splice, Unicorns of Love, and Origin. And if you're looking at that group, you have to think, well, what's the biggest advantage they have over the other teams in the group? Well, probably their bot lane, right? So that would lean you one way, but... Is that the way that's going to get you through the playoffs? There's just so many factors that could go in one way or the other way. And I just want to know which Vitality team we're going to watch. Is it going to be the one that has interesting synergy with its solo laners? Is it the one that's playing through its bot lane all the way? Is it the one that's trying to focus on team fighting? Is it the one that's trying to change up the way they play the laning phase and get more aggressive there? I have no idea. And I'm not sure the team does either, which is why they've given themselves options. And options are good to a point, but there needs to be a decision made. And I think the sooner that they're able to make that decision and feel comfortable with that decision, that's when we're going to see the growth that could lead Vitality to become a, a playoff team and a potential contender moving forward. But they need to identify the best way for them to move forward and stick to that plan as soon as they do, because otherwise you run into the hazards I talked about earlier. I can tell you which team Vitality we're going to see. It's going to be their League of Legends team. <laughs> That's the one we're going to see on the Rift. Boo! <laughs> Haters going to hate. That's all I can say. I, I do agree, like you said, there are, it seems, conflicting identities within the team based primarily around these two junglers that you are kind of nervous about which one they are going to uh, end up selecting. I will say it is probably easier to change Steelback and Nuke Duck's approaches to the game than it is Cabo Shard. Cabo Shard has played the exact same way his entire career he mm -hmm. likes to kill people he likes to split push he doesn't seem to be very good at tank meta um but we'll see that's why they play 10 weeks of games as the european schedule and north american schedules have both come out and europe will be playing 10 weeks of games so every time i've said nine weeks before that totally wrong it's 10 weeks and like 10 weeks this has been 10 teams all 10 teams in the European League Championship we Series. we got to make predictions. Split. We do have to make predictions. I always forget predictions because you don't fill them in in the show notes. I, look, man, I just assume that we always put our expert lives on the line when we, uh, when we do a show like this, man. I, look, I think that this team could be a playoff team. I really hate the group that they're in because I feel like all of the teams in the group the Unicorns of Love and Splice in particular, I think they have an identity to them. Yep. Uh, and that's something that if you look at how they could punish Vitality early, that's the exact thing that Vitality is is not really 
built to deal with early on in the season. H2K is a team where they're going to look at, and if they can find a way to pick on that bot lane before the Koreans can get along with the rest of H2K, there's a chance for them to sneak in, get some some wins under the radar, and, and be a real threat uh, when playoffs roll around. But all of it depends on how quickly they can put everything together. I think they fall just short, but someone that I would watch very carefully in the summer is a, a team that could make a splice-like leap uh, as soon as they kind of solidify where they're going. I would actually say that I don't think this group is all that bad if they do change that play style to be primarily through the bot lane. I don't think any of the bot lanes in this group are anything to be too terrified about. Mm-hmm. I think Steelback, like I said, he's a top 380 carry in Europe. He can give them a little bit of an advantage in a place that they haven't typically had. The downside is that the advantage that they've normally had in Cabo Shard, well, you have Chachi, you have Wonder, you have Otawamne, yeah. you have three of the top four top laners in the region in that group. So it could make for a very, very interesting potential playoff run out of Vitality. I think they'll be fighting for that third seed out of this group. Um, I, don't, I think it'll probably come down between them and H2K in all honesty. Yeah, I think, I think those, that's fair. Those are probably those teams that'll be fighting for it. But that's been our predictions. This has been the tenth team of the European LCS. Uh, anything else you want to say about Europe before we move on to the actual games? Yeah, thanks so much for watching, guys. Uh, this has been a very fun series of videos to produce. We love doing this every split. Uh, please come back next week. We do uh, weekly previews uh, every week. We break down uh, the most interesting matches. We're going to talk about gambling lines for those of you who enjoy that side of things and kind of comparing, you know, what the casinos think versus what we think and having some fun with that angle of it. You know, if you enjoy the style of show that we've made, we keep go doing this all year round. Uh, we'd love for you to step, uh, stick around. You know, that subscribe button exists for a reason, guys. Uh, and th- again, uh, thank you for every comment, uh, whether it be on Twitter, on the YouTube section, social, you know, whatever social media you guys use. Uh, it really does mean a lot to us. We love giving the people what they want. And it has been uh, very fun producing this show. And you can let us know all about how uh, wrong we are. I'm at Redshirt King. Uh, if you guys want to talk to me about anything I've said on the show. And you guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. And because we give the people what they want, we had someone reach out and want to talk about our episode with him. Mm. So come back on Monday where we're going to have an interview with a secret guest. Until then, (laughs) goodbye, Internet. Hey there, C80s here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash roughdraftspod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming. Or join our VIP club, where a dollar a show or eight bucks a month gets you first priority on all patron content, like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at RoughDraftsPod, Facebook.com, backslash RoughDraftsPod, SoundCloud.com, backslash EsportsRoughDrafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.